Hello, welcome to the Full English, the United Kingdom's Airbnb podcast, the place to learn how to buy, host and grow your Airbnb business, specifically in the United Kingdom, helping you to learn, grow and become an Airbnb success. Eddie has, over the last nine years, grown his property portfolio in North Wales from zero up to 40 properties. He's achieved this by following the tried and tested method of buy, refurbish, rent and refinance, or the Burr method, as it's also known. It's not only great to see how this method has been used so effectively, but also how it's been combined with short-term lets in and around national parks as well. Eddie has a mix in his portfolio with about a third of his properties being short-term lets and the remainder traditional longer-term lets. He very much looks at each property on its merit and decides whether it's best suited for long or short-term letting and consistently reassesses them. A very sound way of thinking about it. If you're thinking about short-term lets around national parks in the United Kingdom, there are some great takeaways in this episode as well as some fascinating insight into what types of property do well, both in terms of typology and location, and some interesting surprises in that respect also. If you find this one interesting, I suggest you also listen to last week's show, episode number seven, with Jeff Waller, who also operates short-term lets in and around Snowdonia National Park. And now, my conversation with Eddie Bingham. Hi, Eddie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Thank you. It's great to have you with us today. Thanks so much for for coming on and talking to us. First of all, I just want to talk to you a little bit about your own your own background and how you got into property. And I know you've got quite an interesting career, kind of pre your property career. So it would be great if you could just tell us a little bit about that uh, and sort of talk us through into how you've got into property. Yeah, I guess going back to 2014 is when I purchased my first property over in North Wales, a um, little village called Gronant. Um, I was actually working down there. We were constructing an offshore wind farm. So yeah, I was I was down there and even though I was sort of living over on Anglesey, which is North Wales, it was still an hour, 20 minutes each way. Mm. So I was actually staying in a caravan down there and um, you know, we were going offshore every day doing 12-hour shifts. So what do you what do you do then in that capacity we, in the offshore construction? What's your role? Yeah, we we were looking after the high voltage and the fiber optic guys and some some other guys. So we basically I'm working for the client. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on that one, and we would bring in the subcontracting company who'd won the contract to do the works. Um, we just oversee, make sure they're doing all the work to so the correct procedures and, um, you know, making sure they're following HSE yeah. regulations. OK, and you still do a bit of that, don't you? And it takes you all over the world, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been over in Taiwan just recently, all over Europe, you know, Germany, Holland, Belgium, France, Spain, Greece. How, how long are those stints generally when you go abroad, like, like to Taiwan? How often, how long are those stints? 
you, you do Taiwan with COVID was a bit longer. So initially we were doing eight weeks stints out there, which is a bit too bit too long for me. Mm. But with the current climate, we had and the duration to get out there as well. Because um, mm. uh, initially we were having to do sort of ten days quarantine in a hotel, mm. but relaxed a bit now. So we're doing a month out there. Yeah, month on month off sort of. All thing. right, good stuff. Good stuff. So anyway, so. Your first property, you were doing some offshore stuff uh, in North Wales. Yeah. Uh, you are a North Wales lad, aren't you, as well, Eddie? Yeah. 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 Long, yeah. yeah. So you're doing some off- offshore stuff there and then come bring us around to this property then that, that you bought back in 2014. Yeah. So seeing the property, it was close to where I was staying. It was close to work. Um, needed a lot of work doing to it. Managed to purchase it. Went what was it? It was a free bed, semi-detached, mm-hmm. semi-detached house. Um, really nice. I've still got it now, actually. Um, needed a lot of work doing to it. I started drafting in people to do that and um, lived in there for a bit. And then when the contract finished, went back to Anglesey and then um, rented it out. But when I purchased that, it was almost, you know, straight away I purchased another one down the road um so that's really when the ball started rolling it was not planned mm-hmm. I got the first one it was pretty much complete it jumped up quite a bit in price and um yeah just went on to the second then pretty much the same time went on to the third and um yeah just been doing it since then really yeah, so that's one, two, three back in 2014, 2015. Yeah. Uh, it's just spin forwards a little bit in terms of kind of where you are now, how many properties you've got now uh, and where they are, just kind of that sort of overview. Yeah, I've got roughly here at the minute about 40 properties in mm-hmm. in the UK. I've got properties... Um, over in Greece and land in Greece as well. Um, the, the land's like a olive grove field, quite a large one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, got 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 a house out there which I rent out as well. Um, but the ones over here mainly, well, they're all in North Wales, so mainly Anglesey, some in Gwynedd, and then um, three or four down down in Flintshire. Yeah. Yeah, and and then what's the of those forty? What's the mix between? I think you've got some of those are longer term lets and some of them are short term lets. What's the mix? Yeah, I'd say at the minute um, the bulk are standard ASTs, um, you know, standard working tenants, um, and there's about ten which are holiday lets in in certain areas. So none of them were purchased for holiday rental just um some of them made sense to be holiday rentals due yeah. to the location so just tell us about that sort of journey in terms of the stuff which you've started off with sort of small you call it small scale developments you know like buying a house refurbing it letting it um and then you've got to the point where some of these you think these are suitable for holiday lets uh, what, what, when you're looking at these properties, what is it that makes you think, yeah, this one is going to be a good short-term let, um, and or not, as the case may be? Uh, what are you thinking? What are you looking at in that instance? 
a lot of it's based and let's be honest this theory's gone a bit out the window with location and the reason why i say it's gone out the window is it, there's certain prophecies that i've got which i am doing holiday lets in which i would have never thought there would be a demand for holiday lets so um a terraced house small two bed in the middle of quite a remote rural village um is quite popular the two flats how, how did you um just sticking on that one for a minute how did you come to you just decide to try it and then found that it worked or yeah i think it was on the back end so i did three big flats and i, I had one previous to this um in a village i don't know if you're familiar with it called rosniger um, heard of it. I think I've probably stayed there historically, well, but mm. yeah, big big demand for holiday rentals there. I was away a lot of the time, and plus I was sort of living down in Gronan, so I got that. Did the holiday rental with that? Uh, not surprised it did well. Um, so that that was the first one. Sold that, and cut a long story short, the big three flats where I'm at actually at the minute in Carnarvon I purchased that tried to sell it wouldn't sell um couldn't justify doing standard ASTs because of the amount of money that I put into it you know they were done very very high end um so it wouldn't justify renting it out long term so I thought we you know let's try it with the holiday lets mm -hmm. they did really really well they come online February last year, and you know I won't go into the figures as such, but you know it, it's I won't sell this property now, mm. um, even even if it was above the asking price, I wouldn't and, sell. And these are these are the three in Carnarvon, sorry. Three in Carnarvon, so yeah, house which is a four bed. Uh, you got the one underneath, two bed, and the ground floor one bed. And, you know, the ground floor is always chock-a-block, usually. Um, uh, last year it was anyway. Mm. The penthouse, really busy in the peak season and for short-term stays as well. Yeah. And uh, just for anyone who's listening doesn't know, just really quickly, just tell people what, what Carnarvon is, like, sort of what the town of Carnarvon. Just give a feel of like, what the town's all about. Yeah, Carnarvon's a, um, you know, medium-sized town it's got the castle um Carnarvon castle really historic medieval sort of town i think it's the most visited castle in the uk it's a lovely little town um you know really nice in the square this the castle sort of you know meanders around mm. the or the walls uh when i've stayed there it's been when I've been going to Snowdonia, going to Snowdon and around the mountains there, effectively. Yeah. Is that what most people are doing? I think they are, aren't they, when they stay there? You, you've got that option. You know, it's ideal to jump over to Snowdonia, to the mountains. You've got the zip wire. Um, you've got all the stuff going on on the straits. So it's a really, really good location for that. But but then you've got also, you've got a town as well. So you can go for um, some drinks, beers. Um, you can have a decent meal in the evening as well so you've kind of got it's a little base isn't it to basically visit definitely visit um, the national park yeah you've got the um 
the old railway um, uh, station down there as well. The, I think it's the Highland one, which goes mm. around all the sort of old towns and things like that. But it's, it's fantastic. That's great, isn't it? It's those three do well, and you'd kind of you would expect them to. You'd probably expect them to do well. It's great that they do. Uh, yeah. And then just skipping back a minute, you also mentioned another two bed property, which is a bit more um, in the sticks, a bit more remote, um, but is also doing well. Tell us a little bit more about that one. Yeah, that one, again, was purchased really cheap. Just uh, quickly, I'm sort of cutting across you there, but it's interesting. I think it's interesting to our listeners as well, because people are thinking of you know, maybe kind of getting into whether it's um, any kind of development whether it's short-term lets or whether it's house flipping or whatever, there's yeah. obviously stuff you can get in cheap gives people a leg up, doesn't it? It's the kind of thing that's accessible to people yeah. to start with. And I think that's why it, part of the reason why it's interesting. You know, for somebody who's struggling to get a mortgage, obviously, you know, you've got to build up a bit of funding for it. But, you know, that one I got for £30,000. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I've turned down 150 on it recently um you know it, it did have a tree in the lounge room when i purchased it so you bought it for 30 it's what's a two up two down is it basically it, pretty much yeah pretty much and presumably it was pretty run down how much did you spend on it if you don't mind us asking no um i've got the exact figures somewhere we i would, would have spent about 40 on it yes yeah, so you spent more than you paid for it on it yeah. and then why is it obviously that house is probably like it's lower value than the houses than you've got in Carnarvon. Why is it popular for short-term lets? Is it that it offers ch- fairly cheap accommodation for people to come and visit the um, the national parks? What's uh, the I, reason that it's popular, do you think? Well, th- this one's on Anglesey, um, hmm. so you've got another sort of client base coming there because you're surrounded by beaches, you're surrounded by the coastal path, um, and you know there's other things on there as well so it's, it is a good central location uh, i think some people just like coming to these sort of old rural welsh villages you know mm. we we get feedback from all the guests and you know that there is a couple of pubs in this village and you know they go in there they have a good time and you know they use it as a bit of a, a bit of a sort of base to explore the island Good, good. That's great, that isn't it? It's um, I think that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you own some of the guests we have on here. We get some guys, a bit like yourself, who own everything that they do, and they're a bit more developers. Uh, we get people who do kind of rent to rent models, so they're not actually developers. They effectively like take on. Um, other landlords' properties uh, uh, and rent them out and try and let them out as holiday lets for more than yeah. they pay for the AST. But you're a bit more of a, a developer, so just tell us about a bit about kind of your sort of your developments, your upcoming developments, and like what you look for um, when you're looking at properties and how you're sourcing developments up in up in Wales. There. Yeah. So now, obviously, I'm. Um... I've moved some of the properties into the short-term lets and, you know, I'm not fully going that way. So it's going to be, you know, continued as a bit of a mixture. Case by case. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm doing a a church conversion at the minute, large one, 
uh, in Hollyhead. I'm going to probably try that as short-term lets. And, you know, we're starting to develop it for that way. So, you know, we're, for example, I'm putting wall lights in. Um, you, you know, there's high-end bathrooms going in and high-end kitchens going to go in. How many units is that? It's only going to be two. Oh, it's two units. Only two. Um, but the other two I've just finished, which are two flats, which um, I've seen these. I went to view these a couple of years back. You, you know, these, you would have never expected these to be used as short-term lets. I've developed them to cater for that. They're both online and, you know, the bottom ones already had five bookings. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And why is that? Is it is it the location? Is it the product? Is it the combination of the two? It's I, it's Hollyhead. It's probably really cheap price. Um, you know, in my opinion, I, I give it to a letting agent. I probably think they've slightly underpriced it. But if they're getting the bookings in, then, you know, it. It's better to have people in than not sort of thing. Mm. What's Hollyhead like? So I don't know all of these these Welsh towns. I suspect most people listening, lots of people listening won't as well. Tell us what Hollyhead, Hollyhead's like. Yeah, Hollyhead, again, really nice town. Lots of potential. Needs more, you know, a lot more investment. But really nice. It's got a huge area covering the coastal path. Um, you know, you've got the mountain. You did have the marina. Uh, it was taken out by one of the storms a few years back, but apparently they're going to redevelop that. So lots of potential, needs more investment. Uh, and again, great location for for the island. You can get mm. to quite easily. And you've got ferry terminals going to going over to Ireland as well. So you'll get a lot of footfall with people like that. So that's people either coming from Ireland or people on their way to visit Ireland passing through. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Recently, they've started getting a lot of cruise liners um, coming in, docking. Tends to be they ship a lot of them away to the castles. Mm. Day, day visits and then come back. But really, the council should be trying to keep these guys here to, to do things in Hollyhead because mm. it definitely needs, you know, the investment. But people are visiting there. What part of all your stuff is in North Wales? I mean, do you look across the whole of North Wales for your properties? Have you got certain sort of specific pockets that that you that you look that you operate within, or are you quite open to just looking at everything and kind of taking a view on its merits? Yeah, there's nowhere that's you know not off the cards. If it's if I think it's a good investment, we're going there. Um, what I've got to bear in mind is if, for example, it's, um, you know, far away, you know, it's to get to Carnarvon. A lot of the guys I know won't work in Carnarvon. Um, you know, it takes 40 minutes to get from Hollyhead, 40 minutes back. So they, some people won't come this far, but mm. I think thinking of your trades, just tell us yeah. a bit about how you procure your building work, um, because I think lots of people listening to this um perhaps and obviously building work can be frightening to some people and um 
and I think there's every reason for people to be frightened of building work because it can be difficult it can take longer than you want and it can cost more than you want um I think everyone knows that but just tell us a bit about how you approach your builders work do you use a main contractor that you work with or do you break it down into subcontracts and if so how do you manage those we we manage the works ourselves or i do so you know i i won't bring a sort of principal builder in big firm and go right refurbish this because for one you know any profit in it they're going to take um two you know, for the church, for example, we've got plasterers there now. The other one's ready for plastering. I can now bring in another plastering company to start in there um, instead of having to wait for these guys to finish. So I do it like that. Um, on some of the bigger ones, potentially for the heavy stuff, we'll bring a principal contractor in to, 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 to do that scope of work. You must have some design work to do. I mean, if you've got a church which you're converting into two units, there must be some planning permission there. There'd be all yeah. sorts of building reg stuff that you've got to work through, all like your statutory stuff. Um, is that all bits that you're fairly comfortable with yourself? You must have some outside help with some of that. Yeah, I, I'm, obviously I've got, um, you know, we've got an architect um, he's done with now, you know, he's done the drawings. We've got the building control guys involved. We've got the council involved. We've got, um, you know, there's other things with the council, which I, I won't bore you with now, which I'm sorting out at the minute. Um, but, you know, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, we're doing, I think I mentioned to you before, I'm doing mm -hmm. a church version over here, um, which is seven flats. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's, you know, there's a car park to do and things like that for that. So, mm -hmm. You know, we we might bring somebody in to do the do the heavy stuff on that. Did you get the planning for that, or did you buy it with planning? Unfortunately, I purchased it with the planning because I would have done it slightly different myself. Um, they've not utilised the space upstairs, so basically they've almost decapitated the church. So it's going to mm. be three bed bungalows. They're still huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Good. So I just want to talk a bit more about, I mean, part of the reason that that we've managed to get you on, part of the reason I've asked you to come on today and you've, you've kindly joined me, uh, is to talk a bit about the national parks. Um, I love Snowdon in the national parks around there uh, and just getting a bit more of a feel of how popular they are to visit and how, how well you can rent places, especially short-term rentals in and around Snowdonia and the other um, picturesque parts of north wales um you've you've given us like um a bit of a bit of a insight and you've sort of said that you've got you've had some good results in terms of the short term lets can you just try and put like a little bit around that in terms of like high season low season and what occupancy rates look like at high season and low season yeah i actually did sort of work it out last night <clears throat> excuse me um how many people I had in, so I didn't bring that paperwork with me. But from June, so June, July, August, and September, this was fully booked. So in here alone, we had two, four, six, eight, 
you know, in this one, we had 14 guests mm-hmm. constantly. Um, and then another, so we had 24. You were looking at sort of 38 guests constantly in all summer. So for that high season, just to put that into context, for that sort of high season through through the summer, sort of near as damn it, fully books all the way through. Yeah, I I would I think I recall one day where there was nobody in the ground floor flat where it was just where the bookings had sort of not married up, so there was just yeah like the yeah one. the odd the odd day here or there, but nigh on fully booked all the way through the summer, and then the rest of the year is there highs and lows through the rest of the year is it pretty uniform and like what what do you expect for the remainder of the year just with all the time thinking of this obviously it's all balanced against doing like a normal normal ast which is obviously what you're thinking about all the time yourself doing normal ast and obviously if you do the short term it's a bit more work so you definitely want to make more money out of doing it i've got spreadsheet uh mike and um i'm sort of monitoring the figures very closely um, you know, this one here is a no-brainer. You know, there's there's no way ASTs can compete. I did a comparison spreadsheet with the one I just mentioned to you, the one I got for thirty grand. Mm-hmm. I probably would have rented that for five fifty per calendar month. Mm-hmm. It come online maybe in July. Um, by the end of the year, it technically be more profitable than the AST without the wear and tear. I've got access to the house, you know, whenever I want to a certain extent, you know, if there's no mm-hmm. gap there. Um, so the house is well maintained. Because that's always the problem with an AST, it doesn't matter how good the tenants are, once they've done a year in there, you're probably going to need carpets, it's going to need paint, mm-hmm. you know, some other things. So you have to mine a refurb. But with the short term, you know, as soon as the gas go, we're in, we're cleaning it, we're touching up, and the house is always in a really good sort of uh, condition. Yeah, so that maintenance side of things, I mean, it can be a killer on the uh, on the normal ASTs, can't it? Constant, yeah. as you say, constantly carpets, and then every few years there's something a bit bigger to do. But you're saying that's almost a bit more kind of factored in on a day-to-day basis with the short-term stuff. Yeah, they tend to, well, they're not in there for as long. So, you know, they go out to eat, they come in, they take their shoes off. Usually they've got a a cleaning bond. So, you know, they're expected to mm. clean the property and maintain it. Yeah. Uh, so, you yeah. know, they look after it as well. The, the tenants do, but long-term tenants, but after a long time, you've got the wear and tear issues. Yeah, sure enough. So do you quite like to have a mix then between you quite like to have a mix between the long term and short term? Does that work well for you? Or are you just really pragmatic about it and like you don't really care, but it's just like purely looking at the numbers and monitoring the numbers and seeing what's gonna work best? Yeah, it's a mixture's definitely more beneficial. Um, you know, I wouldn't want forty properties empty over christmas which are for uh, short-term holiday lets when you're responsible for the council tax the internet the maintenance um you, you know it, it wouldn't work so a bit of a mixture is 
is good. And the advantage I've got is I'll monitor it. If it's not doing well, we'll just rent it long term. Um, mm. But like I said, the ones so far seem to be doing okay. But 2023 is going to be a bit of a uncertain year again. Mm. Um, you know, the cost of living crisis, people are a bit more cautious. So, you know, we're expecting maybe a decrease, but I guess... You're expecting can... a bit of a decrease, are you? You've got that factored in to a certain extent yeah. in, your, uh, in your planning. I, I personally am expecting it, but, you know, from what I'm reading, you know, with, with Savills have done a report, um, another company that I use, you know, they're expecting maybe sort of more last-minute bookings, shorter durations, um, so people are sort of managing their money that way. Let's mm. see how February, and then instead of going away for a week, they'll go away for two, three days, which again sort of suits me to a certain extent. If you can yeah. fill, I mean that, that's that's the income side. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the expense side as well, because obviously everyone's got their um, pockets and their belts tightened a bit for the reasons that we all know about across the country. From your point of view, that perhaps means some fewer, but some fewer bookings, as you've just said. In terms of an operational point of view, it's more obviously it's more expensive as well. Electricity's gone up, gas goes up, so that puts your fix that puts your costs up a bit as well. Um, and then the other big one is, right? It's obviously borrowing costs as well, and borrowing costs are money. So, just tell us um, your insight on what you think is going to be happening over the next 12 months in terms of borrowing money uh, and perhaps how that's impacting your thought process as well yeah well it's, it's definitely going to go up um you know i've seen it go up you know we're looking at a mortgage now and the best deal one company's coming at is 6.5 mm. and you know, I mean, the bottom line is it impacts viability, doesn't it? And stuff that yeah. stacks up previously like, doesn't stack up now. Um, in my experience, it takes a bit of time for this to kind of wash through. And for effectively the land price. So and this is instances, the people that own the properties that have to realise that what they're trying to sell is not worth quite as much as they thought it was. And it takes time for that realisation to happen. But while that time is passing, it means that deals that you're looking at don't stack up no you, you're right and um you know yeah with the two two you know the things i've got to be cautious of is you know i'm buying these i've got you know there's about seven or eight in conveyancing at the minute some of them i bought a property four years ago on the same street in the same condition for half the price mm. um now we're very close to completing i probably know that that property is going to drop down quite significantly in the next two years potentially um but the thing is because i'm not planning on selling it <clears throat> it doesn't really have a major impact it's going to be let out it's going to be long term and it'll probably be fixed for five years but you know th th there's for people getting into this now, you've got to be very, very cautious because mm. building prices or materials are going up, mortgage rates are going up and the house prices are dropping down. So you've got to get the right price 
straight away. You know, monitor. Make sure it can wash its face for at least for that first fixed term period, whether that's two, three, five years. Yeah. And then when you come out the back end of that, you're hoping obviously to to see some upsides after that. Hopefully, yeah. Um, but again, you just you don't know, do you, how it's going to go? Um, I'd like to think within five years things have sort of balanced out a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, it's um, it's uncertainty and. You know, all the mortgage lenders and brokers I speak to, that's ruffling around at the minute. Mm, mm. So you still got a day job. I'm just struggling to see how you kind of balance all of this development work. You're quite a bit of development work and you're managing it um, in quite hands on fashion as well, as we've already discussed, like managing all the various trades and so on. How are you managing to um, tie that in with? A day job which i think you don't do you're not well you're doing sort of shift work aren't you so you're off kind of abroad every now and then but it kind of seems impossible how are you managing that it's um it's it's full on you know there's there's no denying that um the offshore work is full on you know we're overseeing large offshore wind farm projects this one's in taiwan um, we're using local Taiwanese subcontractors to, to to build it. We're supervising them do it. We're sort of training them up, and mm. then they're going to manage the operation and maintenance of it when we hand it over to them. Um, the, the, how do you run the UK business then? If you're out there for eight weeks, how are you managing to kind of keep the UK operations still moving? Mobile phone. Mm. The joy is <laughs> of mobile phones. Yeah. The, the the battery on that has never has never been out in uh, ten years, but <laughs> I, I've got guys on the ground and you know I'm communicating to them daily. Mm. They know what needs doing, and you know. But the problem is everything comes back to me, you know. So I can put as many buffers in front of me as I want, um, which I do, but it will all trickle back to me at mm. some. Know, whether it's somebody's not turned up they can't get this are we all right to buy this can we get that can we go and do you know guests haven't turned up guests have said they can't open the door boiler needs you know it all comes back so you've, you've got to be you know pretty switched on with it and you know mm. if you get annoyed with your phone going after half five when you're watching eastenders and it's um not for you probably don't want to get involved in it yeah Fair enough. Fair enough. How long do you think you'll continue with it? I mean, 40 properties, it must be nearing the point where it's um, you've got to make a decision that that's your full time, full time occupation. Or do you, do you love? I mean, it must be quite nice in some, some respects visiting um, or traveling the world for this other work also. That's pretty much why I do it. Um, I've I'm very close to not going offshore. Um, you know, I wouldn't say again, but, um, you know, at the minute it's it's getting really busy. And I know when I'm here, <clears throat> things do go quicker. Disrespect mm. to the guys, you know, when when it's your money and, you know, your time, you you drive it a lot more. So, uh, you know, I want to finish this one out in Taiwan and then um, I'll, I'll review it from there. Sure enough, sure enough. 
So you've said you've got, I think you said you've got seven properties um, at the moment, which are in the process of purchasing. Um, just explain to us a bit about what your plans are going to be for the next two, three years. Um, so I suppose the best start to that is like what, what are all these properties that you've got that you're trying to complete on at the moment? Yeah, so again, it's a mixture. Um, um, I'm trying to think what they are there. So the the church conversion over here, which is seven flats, that's one of them. Where's that one? It's over in a, a place called Daniolin, near Carnarvon. Again, mm. really location. Um, I'm actually refurbishing a house there. How are you picking up these churches? You always say they're often in auction, aren't they? Where are you? The, the, randomly, it was always, I try and keep away from grade two listed stuff, you know. I just haven't got the time to mm-hmm. be dealing with the council. And, you know, it's uh, it's like I said to the guys in the church, you know, we've we have done this a bit. I said it's not it's not a restoration project. I said it's a development. But we have or I have kept loads of the old documents and I'll send you some pictures when it's done. Um, we've got all the old stuff going back to 1891 mm-hmm. architect drawings. I'm ordering display cabinets to put them all up. Um, so they'll all be on full display. With and that's cabinets. listed, is it, this church? No, none of them are listed. Oh, it's not listed. Okay. No. Um, but the, the reason I've got into them, because I, I love the buildings. Uh, and to be honest, it's a shame to see them getting turned into this. But, mm. the, you know, nobody's going to them really now. Well, at least you're giving it uh, another lease of life. Um, yeah. It'll be here now for another hundred years, and um, yeah. we're keeping some of the original features in there. We've got some of the pews, um, we've got the signs. All the books are going to be on display. These were all, uh, you know, in the loft, you know, mm. fifty feet up. So you've got how many of these churches? If it's your second or third church now, this is number one, and I've got number two going through conveyancing at the minute. Yeah. So do you think you've cracked it with the churches? Then you figured out how to pick them up pick them up cheap and develop them and turn a nice profit on them or is that yet to be seen i'm very very cautious with them because they're huge massive areas um that you know and you've got to respect what they are mm. so there's there's a lot of people who come in and oh i remember you know i used to be old treasurer here but you know you've got to sort of respect that as well you know mm. that uh, side of it yeah, which which we tried to do, but these these are when I got them were borderline derelict. Mm. Um, you know, people weren't going there. Um, but I do love the buildings, and they're usually huge areas. And like I said, if I was involved in the planning with this one that I'm working on now, I probably would have gone for uh, maybe four four apartments. I mean, you could do that. It's obviously time for you, though, isn't it? That's the thing. But there'd be nothing stopping you going back into planning, would there? Yeah, we can do that. I didn't want to do it. There's no guarantee you'd get it because of the path mm. and stuff like that. So um, it was pretty straightforward. There's no structural work needed or anything like that. And it's get, uh, get in and get on with it. Yeah. So, so you've got these ones, the, the churches that we're talking about. What else have you got? It's, the reason I ask, it's kind of an insight into kind of like your mindset and what you're thinking is working isn't it like the things that you're purchasing at the moment so yeah so there's um there's a two bed 
terraced house in Holyhead. Um, there's a fire damaged house in Gaywin. There's a flat in Slangavney. Um, there's another two houses in Carnarvon. Um, the Ebenezer Church. And actually what come on that is the, and this is not confirmed that this is happening. There's a chapel house attached to the church, which mm. uh, we've expressed interest in. Mm. So if, uh, if I don't run out of money, we'll see if we can get that one. And these are all buy, rent, refurbish, refinance pretty much really, aren't they? Full, full refurb. Um, we're aiming for a minimum achievement on the EPC of a C now. So that's more more funding, you know, that I need to splash out. So yeah. Um, so why? I mean, I deal with loads of this um, targets for EPCs and all sorts of other stuff uh, professionally. Uh, and it all comes from predominantly, it comes from the funds that we deal with um, who need all the sustainability stuff. Um, why are you looking to do it? It's just, um, do you think it impacts on how much you can rent stuff for? Or is it purely your kind of well, you, know, you believe in a bit of sustainability? There's a few reasons, really, and um, it's not to increase the rents. It's one, the, the, a lot of these houses tend to be old stone houses. You know, they're not new builds. They're, mm. they're, they were built, you know, 60, 70 years ago. Um, so with the cracked insulation, it just makes it a lot warmer in there. Mm-hmm. And recently, the council, um, and I think this might be a nationwide sort of a programme, is they're expecting the EPCs by 2025 to be C. They want all the electrics done um, and signed off. I think that's going to be a yearly thing. Mm -hmm. But every single one, even before these come in, um, especially with the electrics, we did a full rewire. So we were already sort of covered with that because we'd done it. And I know- You're trying to future-proof it a bit, basically, aren't you? Well, yeah, you know, there's, mm. you know, I know a lot of guys who do this, and it's like, oh no, the electrics are going to be okay. They'll, we'll put a couple of new plugs here; it'll be okay. Then the house is done, and then six months down the line, the tenants go, "Oh, every time I do this, it trips." So that's one of the things that I've always done, and it's probably on ninety-five percent of the properties is we'll just completely rip it out, and we'll just completely redo it. And it just it's better for everyone. It's more modern, it's cleaner, tidier. You know what you're dealing with, you know what you're gonna spend up front. Yeah, it's safe. It's you know more, you know how long it's gonna take you to do it. It's yeah. More manageable, isn't it, in that respect? Yeah, definitely, you know. And I've had the older landlords come in and you know, he was like, What are you doing? He said I'm doing a full refurb and you know, I bought it off this guy and he was shocked that we'd ripped it out. But then he was even more shocked when he came back. Sorry, somebody's calling me there. There you go. Yeah, he was even more shocked when he seen the standard of this flat that we got it to. Um, and to be fair to him, you know, he did sort of do his up a bit then because, mm. you know, he's just in that sort of mind thinking, you know, well, I've purchased it. I don't want to do anything to it. I just want to rent it out. But that's not how I do things. That's not how. That's not your strategy, is it? Yeah. 
it makes it easier to manage as well doesn't it like you say if you have done if you bought up to a certain property um a certain property up to a certain standard it makes it a bit easier for you to manage and if you are going to hold it as a long-term asset you've got more incentive as well haven't you to make it um something which is manageable and is is a good product because you're the one that's going to be managing it moving forwards yeah exactly yeah good stuff good stuff so that's um quite an exciting couple of years ahead of you then isn't it yeah yeah definitely um you, you know I've, I've set the goals quite high um for what i'm aiming to achieve you know whether i do it or not we'll, we'll give it a good go and, uh, so what's the goal then 40 now you've got the, another half a dozen on the go now what is the target then for the end for say two years time um well the plan is for september 2023 to have 75 and then September 24, um, I think it was 150. And then I think I've got I've, I've got like a forecast that we've done. Then it sort of doubles after that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm aiming sort of high on this. Fantastic. Well, there's some aggressive targets there. And I think you have to set those aggressive targets, don't you? If you've got any chance, any chance of achieving them. Um, I think you've got every chance of doing it. Yeah. Um, how can people get in touch with you, Eddie? Um, anyone wants to reach out, whether they've got um, perhaps properties in North Wales which they're looking to sell, looking to develop, looking for advice on, uh, looking to yeah. rent short-term stuff, whatever it is, um, what's the best way for anyone to reach out to you? Yeah, happy to uh, to give any advice if, uh, if they require it. Um, you can contact me on email it's probably the best bet eddie e-d-d-i-e bingham b-i-n-g-h-a-m five just the number five at gmail.com or you can uh you can um i think we've got a facebook page eb property developments perfect i'll put both of those on the show notes so if anyone missed them look on the show notes and you'll see them there eddie it's been um absolutely fantastic to have you on today thank you so much for taking the time to join us it's been an absolute pleasure thanks mike appreciate that perfect bye for now I hope you enjoyed this week's show and remember we have a new conversation with a UK-based short-term rental expert every week released on a Monday morning. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review and a five-star rating. This really does help with the search algorithm and helps others to find the show and helps us to grow the show organically. Have a great week and I'll see you next time on TFE.